Hey, Chicago Fire fans and Major League Soccer fans, welcome back to the 41st episode of Feed the Fire, a Chicago Fire podcast. It feels like almost yesterday. It was preseason in February, and we were recording things out of my basement. But here we are, moving on in the season, on with the podcast, and I hope you've enjoyed this this journey of a season we've been on. Um, and that's kind of all the happy, good vibe things, because that's alluding to some of Casper Shabilko's statements he made on Instagram that we're going to get to a little later in the show. But also, want hope you all had a happy Independence Day, great 4th of July, that you're still counting all 10 fingers and toes. And I will remind everyone that our show is brought to you by Skira Icelandic Spring Water, available at your local 7-Eleven. Now, tonight we are previewing the Chicago Fire's next match against I want to call them a budding rival in Nashville SC now that they're back in the Eastern Conference, but the way they have dominated Chicago recently, I don't know if we could say that exactly. Um, their last match was a 3 nothing Hani Mukhtar hat-trick victory over the fire down in Nashville, so we'll see if that is going to happen again. And I'll break down some trends and stats for you. We're also going to speculate a little bit, just kind of my own fun here, talking about a potential Chicago fire coach as well as Casper Shabilko's aforementioned drama. And then we'll wrap up with some other MLS news, notable matches to watch this weekend, and a little bit more on the Gold Cup, who I think is going to end up taking home the trophy. But to the Chicago Fire, they are back home, home cooking, this Saturday, July 8th, versus Nashville. Now, the Fire are sitting 13th in the table. Nashville has moved up to second in the table, just ahead of New England. And like I said, that last Nashville was a Hani Mukhtar spectacular 3-0 hat trick. People are calling him the firefighter now in, in certain places on MLS social media. And if you remember, that was the match where Ezra changed the lineup, uh, changed the formation, um, changed some of the players, changed some of their tactics, and then the fire front office decided to change managers. Uh, so that was the match that got Ezra fired. I wonder if Nashville can get two Chicago fire managers fired in one season. Hmm. I wonder if they can smoke Frank Klopas's team so badly that the front office will have no choice but to promote C.J. Brown. That would be fantastic. Uh, now, looking at this particular matchup, I would expect Nashville to play in a very similar fashion to that last match and similar to how they've played their entire season, fast counterattacking soccer. Uh, I will kind of hedge a little bit on that, um, because of some of the international call-ups and we'll talk about that a little later with player availability. Uh, but that, that may slow them down a tad, um, but they still have Randall Lale. They still have Dax McCarty. They still have Hani Mukhtar. So they should be playing at about full speed. Now, statistically, Nashville is a mid table team offensively, but remember they do like to counterattack and they do like to have quick possession. They play a lot of long balls. They play a lot of quick passes, maybe not with a high percentage of completion. So their offense statistics are skewed a little bit based on their style of play. So keep that in mind. But one area, again, where they are third in the league is long-range passing attempts. So they get the ball. They play it forward. They are not shy about launching quick counterattacks. Similarly, if they are building in possession, they're looking for players like Hani Mukhtar or Jacob Schaffelberg to be making those diagonal runs behind the defense or into the channels where their midfielders are or defenders even are playing those long balls. Now, again, asterisk on Schaffelberg if he's with Canada for Gold Cup. Also, Nashville leads the league 
in offside calls. So they are trying to stretch back lines. And Fire fans, we have seen how the officiating has treated the Chicago Fire, and that is a product of the Chicago Fire, how they treat the officials uh, last season and this season, as well as just them being kind of that team that doesn't catch a break. Uh, So don't be surprised if there is a questionable offside VAR call that doesn't go the Chicago Fire's way. Now, on the defensive side of the ball for Nashville, they are second in the league in tackles in the attacking third. So they are pressing, they are counter-pressing, they are trying to get turnovers, which means that for the Fire's side of things, Fetty Navarro, Gaston Jimenez, Jaredin Shakiri, Mauricio Pineda, Fabian Herbers, Ferbers, our guy who... All those players in the middle of the field who the fire back line will be trying to play to in order to transition to offense, those guys are going to have to really be aware of who is in and around them. They cannot have lazy passes. They cannot be walking. Oh, goodness. Oh, goodness. I just said Gaston Jimenez and Jared and Shakiri can't be lazy and can't be walking. This could be a troubling game for the Chicago Fire. This could be a bad matchup for them. Also, Nashville has allowed the least amount of goals in the league. So it's not just that they do a pretty good job forcing you into turnovers and getting some quick shots in. They have only allowed 16 goals in 21 matches. A big part of that is due to their goalkeeper, the highly underrated, both for his goalkeeping and his facial hair, Joe Willis. Uh, The Nashville, I don't know if he's played every single game for them, but as a team, I'm assuming it's all Joe Willis. Uh, They have the highest save percentage in the league, 81.3% save percentage. So the fire have their work cut out for them. If I am Chicago, I just bypass that midfield completely. I want to play on the wings. You have uh, Jairo Torres, who is getting, should be 100% fit. You should have Marin Haile Selassie, who is fit because he didn't get the start in the last game. And then you've seen what Suke and Aceves and Miguel Navarro can do if they're locked in and how they can bring the ball up the wings. The other reason I like wing play in this game is Walker Zimmerman, the large central defender for Nashville, is out on a red card suspension. He picked up a red card their last match against D.C., so he will not be available for this match. So the fire could take advantage of bringing the ball up the wings, crossing it in, to Kai or whoever else is rushing into the box, or even some pullbacks maybe for a late runner, uh, Gutierrez, Herbers, as we've seen lately, right? So that is how, if I'm the Chicago Fire, I am going to set up. I'm going to keep my four-man back line. I'm going to try and find the weaker of the two wings and play the ball up those wings. It's games like this where I really miss Chris Mueller because he would just attack, and he would fail and he would do it again and he would fail and he would do it again and again and eventually he would get across in or get on the end for a really really good shot and I, I miss him having that ability to stretch defense especially in this kind of game all right so that is kind of my quick analysis on what we can expect from Nashville where their strengths and weaknesses are and what we should expect from the Chicago Fire and I say should expect because who knows what Frank Lopas is going to do with his lineups he has been playing with Kai Kamara as a lone striker up top and if the Fire are going to be crossing balls into the middle and trying to bring it up the wings Kai probably isn't a bad option but is he going to be good to go 90 probably not I would want to see him start Yorgos Kutsias 
as the lone striker and then bring Kai in on the 60th or 70th, depending on how Kutsius is playing and depending on the situation of the game, right? Kai has been dropping back deeper and playing defensively a little bit if he needs to. And he and having him just run hard for 20, 25 minutes might not be the worst thing if the fire are either chasing a goal or trying to preserve a lead there. So I guess that's a big assumption for me to think that the fire are going to have, have a lead. However, I think that is their best attacking options as far as your strikers go. And as far as the wingers go, I would love to see Jairo Torres and Marin Haile Selassie on the wing. We've been seeing Torres play a little more centrally at times, pinching in. It just seems that Frank Klopas does not have an idea of where his midfielders need to be. One week, Gutierrez is in the midfielder is centrally, and then he's on the wing. The next week, Kutsias is a striker, and then he's playing uh, winger, and then he's on the bench. The, uh, the One game, we have Jordan Shakiri centrally, then he's out on the wing, and then he's coming off the bench, and it just doesn't seem like he has any idea what to do with these midfielders. And then if their new acquisition, Dumbia, is ready to go, depending on the status of his visa, who knows if he'll get a run out of minutes towards the end of the game. It, it, it remains to be seen, but again, overall, I still think the fire in this particular match against Nashville need to either play those long balls over the top to Kutsius, Shakiri to Kutsius, Pineda, Jimenez to Kutsius, or bring it up the wings and then cross the ball into the middle. I think if you bypass the central midfield of Nashville, you put yourself in a better position. Now let's look at the odds and the predictions here. Right now, according to BetMGM, the Chicago Fire have a plus 130 uh, odds to win the match, and Nashville is at plus 190. So the Chicago Fire, slight favorites at home. The draw is plus 240. So if you're going to pick them to tie, plus 240. And the over-under on goals is 2.5. So I think that's a solid over on the goals, but I don't know what kind of odds you're getting on, on that kind of a pick. Um, looking at some of the player availability, what really stands out. And again, the last availability report was from uh, two days ago. It'll be, I don't know if they updated before the game. Uh, however, as of June 4th, you still saw Anibal Godoy out on international duty. You still saw Jacob Schaffelberg out on international duty. So that's going to hurt Nashville. Fafa Picot was out playing with Haiti. However, Haiti's been eliminated from the Gold Cup. So they he may be back and available even if only as a sub for this game, and he can change the game. Uh, I still think that despite all of that, despite playing in Chicago, and by the way, Nashville still has Hani Mukhtar, another season where he's an MVP favorite. Uh, I'm picking Nashville to win this game, 2-1, to one, and the Fire's woes continue. Now let's shift gears a little bit and talk about that Casper Shabilko drama, uh, which is probably a good segue after I pick them to lose. On Instagram, Casper Shabilko shared the following message recently. Quote, if you're not being valued, you're just in the wrong place. Do not be angry, do not be bitter, but do go to another place. The right place with the right people will always treat you the way you deserve to be. Know your worth and never settle where you're not appreciated. Never stay where people don't value you. End quote. Now, that's a quote from Nicholas Gookie. Uh, I, I'm definitely pronouncing that wrong. That's G-O with the umlaut, K-E. Um, he's a writer, inspirational person. I don't know anything else about him, but his website bio says, I write for dreamers, doers, and unbroken optimists. 
So if you're into that sort of thing, maybe you're all gung-ho on this quote. Um, if you think it's just kind of a bunch of hooey and the guy had no real talent, so he became an inspirational writer and sold some and sold a bunch of books, then that that's certainly another reasonable opinion to take. But the point is Casper Shabilgo is sharing quotes about not being valued and that he's in the wrong place. And again, I don't know Shabilko personally, but as the saying goes, here's another one he should remember. When you point one finger at someone else, there's three more pointing back at you. And maybe your thumb too, depending on how you point your finger at other people. Um, so as much as you want to say the Chicago Fire aren't valuing you, um, and yeah, maybe they're not playing you in the right system with two strikers like we saw him have some success in Philly, uh, you got to stop missing sitters. You got to stop tripping over the ball. You have to f- stop forgetting who you're marking on set pieces, and you have to stop just generally being slow. And then maybe a professional club who is driven by results uh, might find some more value for you. Um, but still, the Fires somehow recently have been valuing him over Kutsias, putting him in as a late-game sub than the young Greek striker. So, yeah, Kutsias. Or, I'm sorry, yeah, Shibilko. There you have it, folks. Um, and if you didn't think the locker room was kind of starting to show some cracks, here's your proof. And and I have, again, I'm gonna, I'm going to totally disclaim this here, right? Like, I have heard from someone who's heard from someone who's heard from Ante Razov that Frank Klopas does not control locker rooms. Like, he loses the locker room really, really quickly. Um, and speaking of Ante Razov, that is kind of the name I want to throw out there as a potential head coach for the Chicago Fire. Now, we've heard the rumors in the Greek uh, online sports media that Nico Kostenoglu is pretty much all but done as the next fire manager. They're just waiting for a work visa. He'll sign a two and a half year deal. Go back and find my other episode on that. But no one in, in the United States is reporting that. You know, we've also seen whispers on Twitter that the fire wanted Jim Curtin, but the union locked him up. Now they're going after Jesse Marsh. But is that a realistic option? Is Marsh going to want it? So I'm throwing out there, I would submit for consideration Ante Razov. Think of this. He knows the league, knows USMNT, knows American soccer landscape, and, yeah, knows the club. He's the Fire's all-time leading player in goals and points. He's won five trophies with the club, MLS Cup, Supporter Shield, three U.S. Open Cups. And even though he's only been an assistant for the last eight to nine years or so, he's done it with Seattle, the Galaxy, and he's been with LAFC since 2018. So he'll develop an attack, and especially young attackers. On the flip side, is that enough time for him to really develop his own coaching style? Is he Does he have a staff that ready, is ready to go with him, people to put in place? Can he be the man to oversee a historic franchise who's fallen on a decade or so of hard times? I think he's got enough coaching experience. I think he's got the X's and O's, and I'm sure he's got a network, but is he ready to lead the Chicago Fire in a rebuild? Well, you know what? Can't be doing worse than what they're doing right now. And honestly, I would love to see him walk in the sidelines again on it for the Chicago Fire, and I'd love to see him on the training pitch. Can you imagine just Ante Razov in a little huddle with Brian Gutierrez, Yorgos Kutsias, Fetty Navarro saying, like, here's what you guys got to do in this situation. I, I would love to have that kind of mentorship for these young players. 
Now we're going to take a short sponsor break here, and I want to recognize Skira Icelandic Spring Water, who's been our sponsor since even before we started Feed the Fire. You know, I've been talking with uh, one of their owners and investors just about the fire, and, and we were able to get this thing off the ground. So I want to give a big thanks to Skira Icelandic Spring Water, uh, as, and as well as everyone behind the scenes there for supporting this show and being big fans of the Chicago Fire. Now, Icelandic for clear, Skira water comes from a spring in a government-protected nature preserve in Iceland with naturally low mineral content. This isn't your average water. Clearly, pun intended, it's one of the best. Available at your local 7-Eleven. And the bottle also, it's, the label's got the coolest design. It's got the Northern Lights on it, so go check it out. Now, some notable matches around MLS that I want to draw your attention to if you would rather not watch the Chicago Fire. Atlanta is hosting Montreal. And I point this match out because you've got Atlanta, who is sitting around 6th place in the table, 6th, 7th place. And Montreal just popped above that playoff line. So they're trying to keep some momentum going. Atlanta, meanwhile, have only one loss in their last nine matches, but only three wins in their last nine matches. So they need to start getting some three-point results against conference opponents. That's why I think this is a really interesting match. But also, Atlanta's made some transfer headlines here. They have signed French League Two midfielder Tristan Muyumba, and they're not just bringing over someone who's been playing in France's League Two for about five seasons, I think. And again, we saw France, they're the lower teams in League One, League One or those in French's second league had a moment where there was a number of them coming over to MLS and there were some deals sending players over to France. I think the fire even sent uh Shemshla Frankowski there. So there's been some business. This looks to be a good signing. You know, Atlanta's doing good scouting. You know, you've got Garth Lagerway there. He's not going to sign uh, just some nobody, no name, random person and take a flyer on a guy from France. And that's why they locked him up through 2027. This is a three and a half year deal and it shows that there's going to be some quality here in this Atlanta midfield for the next several years. And also now they're getting some money back because they just transferred their defender slash wingback, Andrew Goodman, to the Colorado Rapids for 400000 in GAM over the next two seasons and on up to an additional 150000 in general allocation money if he hits certain uh, performance and contract incentives. So what a journey it's been for Goodman coming up with the Chicago Fire Academy, not being able to play for Chicago because he ended up going to Celtic in 2019, couldn't come back with the fire, ended up with Cincinnati, but then there was something where Cincinnati couldn't sign him because of the rights that Chicago had, and then he ended up, I believe, in Red Bulls and then to Atlanta, and now he's off to Colorado. What a professional soccer journey for this man. And again, he's only 26. Same thing as Tristan Miyumba, only 26 years old. So they got a lot, a lot of career ahead of them. I'm also looking at LAFC versus San Jose to see if LAFC can bounce back from that devastating loss against rival LA Galaxy in the record-setting Rose Bowl El Trafico. There were over 82,000. I think it was announced 82,110 in the Rose Bowl for Galaxy versus LAFC. What a match. What an atmosphere. It was a lot of fun. Ricky Push with the late winner after just out hustling the LA defense to get on the, just barely get on the end of a cross. Go back and watch the match. Not just the highlights. Go back and watch the match. But looking at LAFC and San Jose, both of these teams recently dropped points to the Galaxy. 
and they're sitting at third and sixth, respectively, in the Western Conference. So they're not exactly desperate for points, but LAFC could use the win at home. They've only got two wins in their last six home games. Very out of character for a team that's just dominant across the league, especially at home. And San Jose's got to remember not to, you know, fall closer to that playoff line. I think they're very comfortable in that sixth spot right now, and they need some some points to maintain it. Also, speaking of transfers, LAFC have transferred Ford Quadwo Opoku to Montreal for $1.75 million in general allocation money in GAM. So now looking back at that Atlanta game, if Opoku's ready to go, Atlanta might have their hands full. They're down, they're down a defender in Goodman, and here comes the attack for Montreal. That might be another reason to watch that game. And then finally, my last match of the weekend, Vancouver versus Seattle, if only because it's a Cascadia matchup, big rivalry matchup. But you have Seattle, who's in second place, who is, I think, and I haven't been too in-depth into the Western Conference, right? But I think they're quietly in second place in the Western Conference because they've just kind of stayed there, right? And you've seen St. Louis kind of come up and down. You've seen LAFC kind of come up and down. You've seen uh, some other teams kind of jockeying for a lot of position in uh, in the rest of the season. You've had Seattle players been hurt, but but they're just doing what Seattle does and getting points, getting results, winning home, right? So Seattle to me isn't having a standout season other than the fact that they're sitting in second place in the Western Conference. Uh, and here you've got Vancouver, who is now finally above the playoff line again. Are they going to be able to hold on to that spot? Moving away from domestic to international, Gold Cup update. We have the CONCACAF tournament here. The quarterfinals are set. They are being played on July 8th and 9th. And we know those matchups. I'll give you my picks momentarily. The semifinals are being played July 12th. And the final is being played July 16th. So on one side of the bracket, we have Panama versus Qatar, and U.S. hosting Canada down in Cincinnati, TQL Stadium. In these games, I'm taking the USA over Canada. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. I think Canada's coming out with a point to prove. They had some struggles during the group stage against uh, Guadalupe and Guatemala, and they need to come out and have a really good showing against the United States. Um, Similar to the U.S., they're not going to have a lot of premium competition prior to World Cup qualifying and in, and prior to the World Cup. So they need to really lock into this game. If not send out a first team, then treat it like it's their first team in all aspects of the match, right? So I still think the USA wins this game. I just don't think it's going to be as easy as Canada's recent form. Now, Panama versus Qatar, I, I'm picking Panama just because we're in the Gold Cup, we're at home, and, and I think they pull it out. Um Qatar is not as bad as a team as people think, even though they got smoked in their own World Cup at home. We saw what they did during the Gold Cup prior to the World Cup when they had very little pressure on that, or they even had a little bit of pressure, I'll say, a little bit of pressure to look good before going into the hosting the World Cup. So now there's no pressure on them, so they may be able to kind of run free, but I still think Panama gets the edge, and USA defeats Panama. Looking at the other side of the bracket, Mexico versus Costa Rica, Guatemala versus Jamaica. I, I, my gut said Costa Rica. Like I was just typing things out, filling in brackets. I'm like, Costa Rica, they got this. Like Mexico is already mad that they, uh, that they, of everything this summer, I guess. Can't even think of one instance. Uh, they're still mad about Nations League. Like they're not into the Gold Cup, all these other things. But 
I say I thought about it, and Costa Rica really struggled uh, in the group stage here. I think that their players just aren't at the fitness or the talent level as Mexico, and that's why I'm taking Mexico to win that game. I'm taking Jamaica to defeat Guatemala, and we've seen these kind of semifinals in the past. Jamaica, Mexico, USA, Jamaica. Um, I think Jamaica actually beats Mexico in this one. I think at this game, Jamaica is the team who's going to take it to Mexico. Um, it'll be close. It'll be hard fought. I don't think Jamaica gets into the fights like we see the United States do with Mexico, which means if Mexico is down a goal or level, those kind of tricks aren't going to work. So I think Jamaica advances to meet the United States in the finals. And I think the USMNT bring home yet another trophy. Those are my gold cup predictions from the quarters through the final. And that is episode 41 of the Feed the Fire podcast. Thanks again to Skira Icelandic Spring Water. Thanks again to John Donovan. We're looking forward to your segment uh, reviewing and recapping the Nashville game. I want to thank to all of our listeners and viewers as well. Please make sure you're following on Spotify, subscribing on YouTube, and sharing the show. Send the link out to one of your soccer friends or to your family. Review us on iTunes and Spotify. Give a like on YouTube. It really helps grow the show. And again, it grows the conversation of soccer and Major League Soccer here in the country. With that, I want to thank you all. Enjoy the match weekend. Let's go USA. Let's go fire.